Let me tell you an observation I, I see in the, uh, the Christian world right now is there's a, a, a real openness to crass language under the banner of grace. So one man tells me, at, you know, we're fishing together and his language is super foul. And at the end he says, oh, I'm just a salty old Christian. Okay. Another guy, he's church planning out west, and he really wants to connect with these kids. So he says, the gospel is Jesus takes your, not good language. I talk to university students often, and one of the responses I, I hear is, you know, Rusty, words don't matter. Right? So in, in in one country, one word is considered bad. In another country, it's not. It's acceptable. It's all about grace, isn't it? In chapter 4, Paul talks about what he calls sinful conduct and all those he affects. And so in this little section, he talks about lying, anger, stealing. And then he talks about what he calls unwholesome talk. And he says, look, this affects your neighbor's it affects what he calls needy ones, listeners. And here, and most importantly, it affects God's spirit that actually dwells in you. So you might say the greatest effect of your words is it can actually grieve and quench the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, which is an, an amazing loss. And so Paul is telling us when we choose a sinful lifestyle, it's not just breaking a few rules it destroys people around us and it grieves the heart of the one who loves us most so that the words we use are immensely important. So I want to read to you uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Starting at verse 25 and we'll read down to around verse 30. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt, and we're going to focus here. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let's stop there. If you would, please pray, pray with me. Father, it's an amazing thing that you've done. You've sealed us. You've placed the Holy Spirit upon every believer. And he's a person. He's a person that dwells upon us. What a remarkable thing. Uh, transforming us, working in our hearts and our minds, making us Christ-like, convicting us, consoling us with a mission to make us more righteous, more Christ-like in your sight, to make the church holy and white and pure, uh, the bride of Christ here on the earth. Lord, and we confess sometimes our language, our lifestyle, we quench him and we know it. Every believer knows it. We feel it, Lord. And so I ask that you would you'd speak to us now through your word. You would convict us. You would comfort us, Lord. Speak truth to us. We praise your people in the name of Christ. Amen.
Several years ago, Jennifer and I were involved in a church, and uh, there was a middle-aged couple, and when we first moved to this particular town, when we met them, we thought, oh, you know, they're great. We're going to be really close friends with them. And after working in the church just for several months, we began to notice that much of the difficulty, the strife in the church, and particularly in the youth group and some of the younger families, it, it came from this one family. This one family, that they were the source, you might say. And so one night, the father asked me, hey, would you like to go to get some ice cream with us and just hang out? And so I, I really wanted to get time with him. I said, yeah, a- absolutely. We ordered, we sat down, and immediately he began to talk poorly, critically about everyone in the church. It was almost like he had a roster, and he started at A, and he got down to literally about M, and I couldn't take it anymore, and I cut him off. And later, you know, I realized it was his critical, harsh words that were literally destroying his family, his children, our church, and himself spiritually. And when he and his family moved to a different city, it was remarkable what happened in the life of our church. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, he tells us what not to do with our words and then what, what to do. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, and then don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So, which means one great way that we grieve the body of Christ and the spirit of Christ is with our words. And he says, don't do that. And then he tells us what to do. Speak only what builds up others and their needs. The words that come from your mouth should be edifying, building up others, meeting their particular needs with truth. And so I want to ask you, Do you grieve the body of Christ, other Christians, with your words? Do you you quench the Holy Spirit in you with your words? And Paul's talking, it's more than just cussing, right? He's talking about critical language, harsh, negative, untruthfulness, things that are full of gossip or maybe even slander. Destructive language to those that are around us and to the spirit within us. And so often where I see it in my own heart and in others, it is, it's, doesn't come out necessarily with my co-workers. It comes out with those who are closest to me. How we speak to our parents, our children, our spouses, our siblings. It is in those relationships that we grieve the spirit in us and break down the work of Christ in them through our language. So I want to ask you, do your words build up other Christians? Do they, do they give grace? Do they encourage people in their needs and in their weaknesses? So here's our main idea today, that your words must not give grief, but grace to those who hear them. Now, there's two things we want to see, okay? First is, let's look at words that give grief to the body and the spirit of Christ. Look there in your Bibles with me. Verse 29. Notice what he says. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And then he goes on. Do not grieve the spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Okay, so he gives two imperatives or he gives two commands here. And, and they're connected. It's an ongoing process, you might say. Unwholesome talk leads to what he says, grieving the Holy Spirit. So he gives two commands. First is this, unwholesome talk. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And you say, Rusty, what does unwholesome talk mean? Well, it, it, it means something like, you could almost translate speaking with your mouth full. The original language is used for rotten wood and rotten fish or withered flowers even. And the idea is things that are unclean, things that are rotten or polluted, unpure, vulgar, particularly in language. And notice what he says. He says, let no. And the idea is every word, each word. Everything that proceeds from your lip, not one word is to smell polluted or vulgar. Not one critical, slandering, gossiping, obscene, coarse word is to pass from the believer's mouth. Now, such unwholesome talk, he says, it has a result, not only on those around us, but on the one that dwells within us, the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Stop there. And you say, okay, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Literally, it means to give Him pain. That's what it means. Grieving the Spirit, is, it's not a feeling that you lose. It's not a warm fuzzy that's not there anymore. It's a person that you hurt. It's a relationship that you damage. It's the, literally the love of God that you reject. And so we're not to think of our sin only in terms of breaking God's law. Yes, it is that. But it's also grieving His heart and His presence. He grieves because He loves us. And sin, in essence, is rejection of His love. And here, in particular, with our language. So, an unbeliever can resist the Spirit, but only you, the believer, His children, His family can grieve His Spirit and cause it to withdraw from your life. So for the believer, this is the most painful loss because the Spirit is the author of all the operations of God's grace in your life. I want to read you uh, what Jonathan Edwards says about this. He says this, He deals with us in grace as we deal with Him in obedience. Often we have quenched His presence in our lives. We cannot lose His presence, but we can lose His comfort. Truth is, He blesses obedience with incredible graces. Through the Spirit, these two things run together and they're interwoven. The Spirit's graces, pleasures, comforts in our obedience to Christ. And the more His Spirit works like a benefactor, transforming, filling our life with graces and delights of knowing God as we obey Him. So the believer knows it has happened, right? You, you know you can experience it. You know the loss of grieving the Holy Spirit. Because suddenly, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-controls, those things are the work of the Spirit and suddenly they're quenched and they come hard for us. And what ends up coming out of our hearts and what comes easy in those times is anger 
anxiety, meanness, impatience, no self-control, no desire to worship. The transforming work and comfort of the Spirit then is gone when we quench Him. But notice what, what Paul says, and even though we can grieve Him, notice how he leaves it. He does not reject us. Look there in your Bibles. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. <laughs> and Paul is assuring us the Spirit is with us from the beginning. And he takes you back to what he's already said that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You remember that in chapter 1, verse 13? This is what he said. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guarantee our inheritance. So the Spirit himself is the deposit that you belong to him, that you are guaranteed an inheritance from the beginning till the end, until the day of redemption, the day of judgment, when we are fully redeemed. You cannot lose the seal of the Holy Spirit. You know, some time ago, I, um, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. I, I served on a commission, and there was a wonderful, sweet man in his 70s, and he, we got to know each other a bit. He was an elder in the church, and so he calls me, and he said, Rusty, I want to talk to you about what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life. And I said, great, tell me. He said, I've been a believer for 30 years, and I never fully grasp how much God the Father loves me. Suddenly, several years ago, I was at a worship service, and it hit me. I was overwhelmed with the reality of God's love and His care for me. He said, I cry now every time that I think about how much the Father loves a sinner like me. And I said, great, tell me more. And he went on to say how he was learning God's love and God's grace for him. And then he said, recently, I was invited with a few church leaders on an island fishing trip. And we all went to talk about a particular area of ministry in the national church. He said, it was great. I learned so much about grace and love. Those guys cuss like sailors. And that's a quote from him. I almost dropped the phone. <laughs> when, I, when I heard, my heart sank. Because the essence of what he's saying is, I get how much God loves me now like I never have before. Now I'm going to respond to that, to that love by grieving him, rejecting his love, quenching his work and presence in my life, doing the very thing he told me not to do in my language. And the result, if he continues, he might intellectually understand God's love, but by grieving the Holy Spirit, he will no longer experience it. And his relationship with the Father will grow distant and cold. And so I want to encourage you with this. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Why? Because it grieves God's Spirit. It'll distance your relationship with Him. It will turn your hearts cold until unrepented of. Let's go to the second thing. Your words must not grieve, but give grace to those who hear. Let's move from the words that grieve to the words that give grace. Look there at verse 29 with me in your Bibles, please. Point two, words that give grace to the believer. 
He says then, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now he gives the positive, how we are to speak. And the principle here is speech is not just for yourself. It's not to be self-centered, all about your glory and your greatness or what you've been doing. It's not self-satisfaction or self-honor. It's not just about making you look good to glorify yourself. It's something else. Notice what he says, to build up. (laughs) The act of building up the body of Christ. We think so much of just having Bible studies together or maybe praying together, but he connects it to your very words. That your very words, through the power of the Holy Spirit, do something in people's hearts to build them up. And you say, how? Well, look in your Bibles there. As meets their needs. And the idea is that your words are to build up other believers in their needs. Where need is. Encouraging, edifying, maybe rebuking or correcting words are to come from you. And you say, okay, well, Rusty, can most Christians do this? And I don't know if we can. Why? Because often we don't know the hearts of God's people, where the needs are, where people are hurting. So they can say, how are you? And sometimes we say, oh, I'm I'm doing great. And we move on. Two ships passing in the night. But we should be able to say, look, I know what's going on in your life. How is your heart of peace with everything that's happening with your sister? (laughs) Or with losing your job? Let me speak words of truth into you. So to give grace to others with your words, you must live in community where you know what's going on, what the needs of others are. Now notice what he says the result is. Grace to the believers. That it may minister grace to the hearer. The result of your words by the power of the Holy Spirit is to literally give grace, that means ability, to other believers. To the church, to your spouse, to your children, and most of all, to your pastor. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) How? Not by saying, oh, bless your heart. But by taking truth and applying it to where you see the need. To be able to minister grace, there's two things that the Bible is causing, calling you to do, and we'll close with this. First, you need to know the church. You need to care for other Christians. You need to listen and attend to other Christians and what's going on in their life. Know what their needs are how they need encouragement, and then minister to them with your words by the power of the Holy Spirit. Which means you must reject your inclination to live as lone sheep on an island. That just show up on Sundays, but don't live in the community of believers. We have to say no to that. Because when we say yes to that, and that's all of our inclination... 
We all want to hide because of things in our life, and when we say yes to that, what we're doing is, one, it, it, we have no ability then to minister grace to others, but secondly, we're not allowing ourselves to be known so that grace might be ministered to us. And that's the second thing. Second part, you've got to make yourself known. This is where I struggle. When I was leaving New Zealand, I, I sat down with one of the elders, and I said, how can I grow as a pastor? And he looked at me, he said, Rusty, we wish we would have known you more. You were here seven years with us, and we felt like you just had one or two close friends in the States, and when you had difficulty or things, you made it known to them and not to us. We would have liked to have known you more so we could have ministered the word to your life. It's unbiblical. It's unchristlike often prideful for me or for you to not make our needs known, our lives known, so God can use other Christians to minister grace to us. See, and, and that inclination to live on an island, to have a veneer of everything's great in my life, just leave me alone, that, that is destroyed taken down and freed by the gospel. When we forget the gospel or we quench the Holy Spirit with unrepentant sins, we begin to live an isolated life in fear that others will see past our outward religion. They'll see the dirt in my heart. And so we, we might continue to go to church but we will not be very committed to living in community or being known. We, we might spend time with other believers, but it'll just be superficial, oh, bless your heart kind of time. No one really knows what your struggles are, what's happening in your life. Gospel grace and freedom enables you to live in community and be known and have other people speak words of grace into your life because the gospel says even in your sins you are deeply loved and accepted by the Father because by faith you have His Son. And so it's the acceptance of the Father that on my best day and my worst day I'm accepted. I have the Holy Spirit. I am sealed. He knows me. He sees me. And yet He loves me and He accepts me as I am, where I am. And that grace, that acceptance, that freedom we have in Christ allows us to live in community. And as we live in community, it's amazing the sanctification, the life change that happens as we give grace to one another through the power of the Holy Spirit, simply through our words, taking truth and applying it to people's needs as you see it. Father, I, I thank you. Um, what an amazing work of the Holy Spirit. You work in broken, sinful people and through broken, sinful people. Lord, thank you so much for that. We don't want to be men and women that live on an island that have no relationships in the church with believers, that don't make ourselves known, that hide because we're fearful. Lord, that type of life, that lone sheep Christianity is very unhealthy. It's full of Christian veneer, but not a heart that's being sanctified and made Christ-like. 
Lord, and so we just want to renounce that now. Father, and we want to embrace community. We want to embrace being known. Like Paul even says that he didn't just share the gospel. He shared his very life with the Thessalonians. Lord, we want to be like that. We want to share our very life so that the Spirit can use us to minister to others and others can speak truth to us. Lord, let us be men and women that our words are seasoned with salt, seasoned with grace, Lord, and are used for the sanctification, for the encouragement, for the edifying and building up of your church. Pray this all in the name of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.